you're listening to the Google Ads Podcast, brought to you by Solutions Aid, the Google Ads agency. You don't know what you're doing. You're going to get found out. You're stupid. You're going to look dumb. People are going to make fun of you. Other people are better than you. Who do you think you are? These are all things I say to myself before like 7 a.m. And I'm pretty sure you're the same way. So I'm shooting this video just to all my entrepreneurs, content creators, anybody trying, you know, just to try is an act of bravery. I really like what Brene Brown said. She said that creation is the ultimate attempt at vulnerability. And I think being vulnerable is so critically important, but it's hard to do. I want to talk a little bit about imposter syndrome and how to get over it in some instances. By the way, I'm a student along the way with you in this journey. I don't know how to get over imposter syndrome full stop, but I know how to address it. If you don't mind, I'll start with something. We'll call it a self-serving example, okay? Because if I wanted to offer up my resume to somebody, and you know, I'll do this on podcasts. If I'm being introduced, they ask me to send the bullet points over. And you know, I founded one of the top marketing agencies on the planet. I published one of the top marketing books. It was number one in both marketing and advertising on Amazon worldwide. I co-founded one of the top marketing masterminds in the world. I'm the co-host of one of the top marketing podcasts on the planet. I created one of the top marketing courses in existence. Yet I, none of that's real. I go one by one. I founded one of the top marketing agencies. I own a Google ads agency and I've never run Google ads. I have a business partner who's unbelievably brilliant and dedicated and he's just one of the smartest people in the whole wide world and he cracked the code on Google ads. So you want to talk about imposter syndrome? Like, oh my goodness. I published one of the top marketing books. I didn't write that book. Patience, who's brilliant and used to work for us and has gone off to greener pastures. She watched my videos and mostly John's videos in order to pull that book together. So, you know, I published a book that was number one worldwide. I didn't write that book. I wrote the title. That is the extent of my participation in the writing of that book. Co-founder one of the top marketing masterminds. That was an unbelievably generous gift from Perry Belcher. Perry, who's one of the godfathers in the world of marketing. I knew Perry from War Room and I didn't know him very well, by the way. We'd never hung out while in War Room outside of like group settings. And Perry had seen me win the Wicked Smart Award a couple of times. And so I think he was just impressed, but I didn't earn. He wasn't impressed enough to justify giving me a full partnership in the next iteration of War Room, what would end up being what I think now is going to be one of the top marketing masterminds ever. And dude, that's just kind of who Perry is. You know, I was right place, right time and lucked out. I'm the co-host of one of the top marketing podcasts. Same story. I was a guest on Perpetual Traffic because one of my buddies referred me. I think it was Garrett, if I'm not mistaken. And I'm, I hope I'm attributing this properly, but Garrett over at Digital Marketer referred me up to Ralph. At the time, Perpetual Traffic was a digital marketer property. And Ralph was like, all right, yeah, we'll have the guy on. And hopped on the podcast. Me and Ralph got along and then he had just lost his co-host. Like I didn't build, create, ideate, fund the top marketing podcast. I was just given this co-host position. Created one of the top marketing courses. Same story. Ryan Dice over at Digital Marketer. I'd known Ryan five years at this point, six years. To my credit, I'd paid my dues over at DM. I'd, I'd give as much value as I possibly could. I was always trying to help, support. I was chosen as the elite traffic coach. I'm not calling myself the elite traffic coach, by the way, that was the name of the program, was the Digital Market Elite Program. And then so when they needed somebody to create, to update the course, because the course that they had was pretty old. It was the same course from the Molly Pittman days. I think I was the obvious choice at that point. I didn't do the things that you would assume need to be done in order to earn that position just in life. And there's a couple of points that I wanna make about this. It's really easy to w explain away your own successes. And while that's a little deflating, it makes you realize, you know what? I bet you it's probably really easy to explain away other people's successes too. Malcolm Gladwell proves this, by the way. I don't like Malcolm Gladwell very much. He's very brilliant. I like some of his books, but I read The Outliers and, and he does this often. 
he likes to use data in order to deflate prowess. He strikes me as a very jealous person. And so instead of looking at like what Bill Gates and Steve Jobs did, for instance, and being like, my goodness, that is amazing. He went in there and been like, well, statistically, that was going to happen no matter what. And they were the ones that were closest to the computer, geographically speaking. And if you take the number and it's just like, all right, dude, fine. Can we not have heroes? You know what I mean? Can we not celebrate people for what they did instead of sitting there and tearing them down every step of the way? And so if you're going, this is the game you have to opt into playing. Okay, you have to opt into playing this game. If you're going to have heroes, then you have to allow for heroic acts. And if you're allowing for heroic acts, then that needs to include you too. And I think that's one of the best ways to get over imposter syndrome is to realize if I'm going to explain away my own successes, that puts me in a position of trying to explain away other people's successes too. I don't want to be the type of human being that goes in and like pops other people's bubbles. Like if you've got something, if you've worked for something, if you're positioned somewhere, if you've got the bullet points on your resume, I just want to look at that and be like, wow, like good for you. I'm inspired. I want to do what you've done. You know, let's go. I think if you're not struggling with imposter syndrome just a little bit, I think that there's probably something wrong with you, to be frank. Like, we've met those people too. You know, those folks that are just a little too proud of themselves, a little too confident, too self-assured. You know, on one end of the spectrum is obviously like narcissism or conceit, but even setting aside like severe psychological issues, I'd rather be on this side of the line, hopefully a healthy degree close to the center. But I'd rather be cautious in my assumptions about myself and my views of myself. And again, if you're struggling with imposter syndrome, that means that you're on the right side of the line. Now, you might be too far in one direction. And when you're too far in one direction, it's when you're paralyzed. It's when you're fearful. It's when you don't want to try. You don't want to create. You don't want to move forward. You know, imposter syndrome, to some degree, means that you're approaching life with an adequate degree of humility, which is what we want. It's what we want from you. But if you allow it to get in your way, if you allow it to stop you, I feel this way about public speaking. Public speaking is really interesting to me. When I I'm on stage and I've been on the biggest stages in the marketing world now. And what that tells me is it's not the smartest guy on stage, guy or gal. It's the smartest person who's also willing to take that risk. And that's a really big asterisk. And I've noticed consistently throughout my entire professional life, it's never the smartest person speaking ever. I run a mastermind now, the driven mastermind. I see this in the mastermind all the time. You know, we'll have a conversation for 45 minutes on a topic and it's the same two, three or four people the loudest, most boisterous people offering the most fervent advice. And then right at the very end, somebody kind of like points their hand up and says, well, you know, what if we tried and then drops insane value. You dig into what it is that they're saying and you find out that they actually have 20 years of experience here and through trial and error and you know, real actual data, but they weren't willing to put themselves out there. And you know, one, it's tragedy that, and we should be better at creating an environment where those people feel comfortable speaking up. Two, you need to do other people the service of speaking up. You need to allow for the idea that what you have to say is important, maybe vital important. Maybe what you have to say, what you have to create, what you have to put out into the world is going to impact people in a substantive way. And by the way, this doesn't have to be like life-changing, Tony Robbins, hoorah, whatever. This could just be helping people fix their plumbing, right? Like that's actually such a benign example. And I don't know why we always go to plumbers, for examples, probably because it's a dirty job. But if you've ever had like a clogged toilet that you couldn't get unclogged, that's a, that's a very big problem. It'll stop your whole life. You know, especially if you have kids. It's like, dad, I need to go to the bathroom. It's like, well, you can't right now. And you hop on YouTube and then there's some 
somebody who took the time to explain, hey, here's how you isolate the problem. Here's how you fix the problem. That is a person that's taken their voice and used it in a way that's made other people's lives better. Alric Hex is a really good example of this. He's, before he was the world authority on YouTube, he was just teaching people how to use their iPhone. And if you go back and look at his videos, we were poking fun at him at Perpetual Traffic. He started when he was 12 years old. The videos aren't good at all. It's just 12 year old Alric's hand and a camera on the iPhone and he's kind of explaining how to use the various apps. And you think, man, these videos, they're not great. It's a young kid. You know, he's got a lot of ums and ahs and they're so easy to beat down. But then, you know, flip the script on that and think, well, gosh, especially at the time, who else was willing to put themselves out there and start telling people how to use their iPhone? Except this 12 year old insanely brave kid who's like, I'll do it. You know, you can make fun of me and my lighting's bad and I don't really know how to record media and you know, I'm not an adept public speaker yet. He's phenomenal now, by the way, but you know, at the time he's kind of just figuring life out. And because he was willing to put himself out there that way, you look at him, he's, he was financially free before he could vote. It's amazing. What an amazing story. And there's something about being willing to do that, being willing to accept the imposter syndrome. You don't necessarily even want to get over it. And I think maybe that's the concept that I've been trying to find here to do with you as I brainstorm live on this video. Maybe it's not about getting over imposter syndrome. Maybe it's about accepting it, wearing it like a badge of honor, and then doing it anyway. With authenticity, that's where I think people get really freaked out as they think like, oh, I need to pretend, I need to present this image, anything. You don't. And if you don't know the answer, don't pretend like you know the answer. That's different, lying. Imposter syndrome is different. That's why it's syndrome. It's not just imposter. Because you can also just be an imposter, by the way. But imposter syndrome is feeling like you're an imposter when you're not necessarily. You know, maybe you're a level seven and you feel like it should be a level 10 explaining these concepts. Well, fine. The level 10 is not willing to do it. Be brave. There's a classic mythological archetype that says that the savior is prefaced by the fool. In order, the fool becomes the savior, which is really weird. You see this in Brandon Sanderson's Stormlight Archives, by the way. I hope I didn't just give it a part of the major plot away to you. You see Star Wars, right? Like Luke Skywalker in the very beginning is a bumbling dope idiot, doesn't know anything, messes up all the time, keeps getting zapped by that little floaty bot. You have to be willing to be foolish and to be seen being foolish. That's the hardest part. But then it puts you in a position to really be able to help people. When I used to do my talks, I was always terrified of Q. And you know, the Q&A piece of the talk is not my favorite, but at the time I used to talk a lot about Facebook ads, which is really funny and should layer on to the complexities of my imposter syndrome. I don't know if anybody knows that we were full funnel agency. We were deep, deep, deep into Facebook. I taught Infusionsoft's entire team how to use Facebook ads. We'd put a deal together with them at some point where we were actually going to run Facebook ads for all Infusionsoft customers. They ended up going back on that deal in a really shady way, to be honest with you. But I was the Facebook ad expert. I spoke at Icon. I spoke at PartnerCon on Facebook ads, advanced Facebook ad strategies. And when I would get up there, I was so afraid that somebody would ask me a question. I didn't know the answer to. I would days before, and then especially the night before the talk, I would just sit there drinking as much content as I possibly could, like little teeny tiny nuances. I'd read like development journals, look at the API documentation, I'd, everything John Loomer ever produced. I get so scared to be on stage and have somebody ask me something I wouldn't know the answer to. And two things happened. First one is all the questions, I was going triple PHT deep, you know, deep. And the questions were all like surface. All right, well, how do I make sure the pixel fires on, you know, and it's like, oh, number one. Number two, when I finally was asked a question I didn't know the answer to, I just said, I don't know. And what was really interesting about that is I earned more trust from the audience in that moment than I possibly could have spouting all the answers for 45 minutes. Everybody's like, oh, cool. Thanks, dude. I appreciate it. Now, you don't, you can't just say, I don't know and walk away. It's, I don't know, but you know, I'll figure that out and I'll crack the code or here's maybe what I think. But it's funny. People are willing to, they're willing to watch the student learn. They're, my children go to Montessori school. I'm obsessed with Montessori education for so many reasons. 
you take the five most important brands in the world, you'd have Google, Apple, Microsoft, Facebook, and Amazon. Four out of five of those founders went to a Montessori school. 80% of the most impressive brands in the world, the founders come from Montessori education. And you think like, oh, that's pretty impressive. It's more impressive when you realize that Montessori makes up 0.00002% of the available education in this North America. It's unbelievable what Montessori can produce. Montessori has very, very strict pedagogical rules. And then a lot of non-strict things, but there's a couple of things that, that Maria Montessori was obsessive with, and one of them was multi-age classrooms. If you're a four-year-old, you're also in the classroom with five and six-year-olds. And what's cool about that is the four-year-old learns from the five-year-old, and the five-year-old, while teaching the four-year-old, learns too, learns to be a leader, learns to grow, learns how to learn, because to learn something in order to do it is way different than learning something in order to teach it. And the four-year-old is at a better position because they're learning from somebody who understands their context from a recency perspective. I'm just learning to my spelling, let's say, or whatever, sentence structure. I know where you came from because I just learned this last year. I know where I struggled. I know the things that really helped make sense to me. And so I can communicate it to you way easier than the 35-year-old master's degree guide. I think that's obvious. Well, you can be that. You can be the four-year-old to other people's three-year-old. That's okay. Okay, that doesn't make you an imposter as long as you're honest about who it is and what you're doing, who you are and what you're doing. So I think that the imposter syndrome problem is one that it's so pernicious because it takes maybe some of the people whose voices would be the most helpful and the most valid and it puts them on the sidelines. And then in equal measure, it allows people who maybe don't deserve the spotlight to take it because the room's been cleared and they've got real high opinions of themselves. And uh, I think as a collective, honestly, I think we're actually starting to get over that. I think the way we're being taught to use social media applications is helping people understand like, oh, I can just hit record and talk. You know, I can just be casual. It's just me talking to my buddies, you know, just shooting an Instagram reel or whatever. That's my ask maybe is just get out there, create, be authentic, be vulnerable, accept the imposter syndrome, wear it like a badge. Don't try to dump it entirely. That's the wrong thing to do. That's a really good signal. So just a really good thing to pay attention to, but don't allow it to limit your ability to serve. That's the take home message. I hope this is helpful. I really appreciate y'all watching everybody who's subscribed. Y'all make my day. Every day I get to wake up, I go and I check my YouTube channel and I'll see like 700 views, 1200 views, 500 views. And I'm like, that's 500 real people, you know, 500 souls that I've been able to somehow impact, maybe not all positively, but it's a big deal. And it helps me get over my imposter syndrome. So thank you. I shoot a video every day. Like, comment, subscribe. I'll see you tomorrow. Thanks for listening to the Google Ads podcast. For more ways to grow your business with Google Ads, you can subscribe to the Solutions 8 YouTube channel. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with a friend. And if you'd like to work with the best Google Ads agency in the world, you can visit Solutions 8 at sol8.com. Custom here. If you're running Google Ads, even if your campaigns are successful, my years of experience have taught me that there are almost always enormous improvement opportunities. Now, what if the best Google Ads agency in the world was willing to review your Google Ads campaigns for free and provide you with a comprehensive action plan, no cost or obligation? Notice, I didn't say audit or evaluation. I said action plan. A bullet point by bullet point breakdown of exactly what needs to be done to improve your Google Ads campaigns. Yours to keep, no cost or obligation. Head over to solate.com to get a free Google Ads action plan customized for your business. No strings attached. That's S-O-L-8.com. S-O-L, the number 8.com.